is up internet. Die, Hitler, you Nazi fuck. I may be paraphrasing. And this is the only <laughs> podcast about movies. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm sure doubt Matt, I'm not sure that line was in the film, but I will say this. You failed the living for the dead. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry. I mean, technically I did say in German, it's the Hitler, you Nazi fuck. <laughs> but uh, the, this is the only podcast about a much seriouser film than our intro. <laughs> Son of Saul. And I got to preface every moment of this review, which is that this is, we. if you listen to us, you know that we, we're jokesters, we're hucksters. We, we play a little bit of yucks on yeah, the side. Yeah, this is not one of the films that we want to have fun and make jokes, but but this is one of those ones where we pause before every joke and go, is this funny? Are we being insensitive? Should we, should we reel back? And the answer is... No, we're going <laughs> to as much fun as we can with I mean, Son of Saul. Uh, now, we this is uh, this is uh, my gift to you, Shahir. Because oh, let's. No, let's, no, 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 <laughs> no. It's not a bad thing. I, I made you do youth past its date. You didn't date. make me do. I wanted to do youth. I'm just saying I requested it. And so what, what you're saying be immediately by inference is you don't want to do this movie. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> want to do this movie. Yeah. But I'm I'm also happy to do it. <laughs> to oblige. We, we, no, no. It's, it's, it's give and take. And this. This but is Matt, everything you give to me, I take. Oh boy, that sounded wrong. <laughs> Ding! Uh, no, no, no. So yes, this way, and and, and granted, uh, the, the, to no detriment to the film, the the only reason I didn't want to do it was it's it's a little bit long in the tooth for the movies that we do. Yeah. Normally now, but, but, but there's also tons of examples where we do movies whenever, so it's totally cool. In terms of like the 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 time it's taken before we've the, the, gotten since to the, it. Yeah, since the movie came out, and I, you know, like it's. Okay, so let's let's reel back here. What we're the only podcast about movies because we looked for podcasts and we couldn't find any. And we were making we were watching Mad Max Fury Road and we said we're gonna make a podcast. Damn it! And so we did. Uh, yeah, I looked. And, I looked probably. Well, I walked like two blocks on Smith, and then I didn't see another movie you did, podcast. You didn't see another movie podcast. No. So, so we moved on and we we made a podcast. But in that, you know that Matt is of the action movie brethren. Stop oh, saying I'm of the action, action movie brethren. I am the current face of mainstream media. Yeah. That's that's what you are, and I'm not. I'm not going to take it back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I am the the snootier variety, uh, the guy who likes to find. Uh, uh, I don't want to say obscure because I don't think they're obscure, but but harder to find films like dragging my friend Matt along to a, a an opening night screening of a film called A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Reflecting. Was that the opening night? It was the opening Ooh. night. Um, so we, Now I feel fancy. I feel underdressed a year ago. <laughs> so we'd like to do a bit of give and take. And I, and I think one of the things that I'm interested in doing with this podcast that we have created, um, and it was something that was actually brought to my attention by a listener as well, is that we don't necessarily have to do a film that is just being released. Let's talk about some older films. And this is not that old. This came out last year. Oh, um, it's so 2015. <laughs> uh, but also let's talk about films that are more easily accessible than, than just going to a straight movie theater because we have listeners all over the world and release dates are different all over the world. Sure. So this is a film that should be easily accessible to everybody. And actually, yeah, write us in, please. Uh, Sheer, what's the email address? Uh, only po onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Write us in and let us know if there's movies, for instance, if you'd like us to do, say, another extra episode whenever we can for films that aren't new, like, hell, Netflix <laughs> sort of recommendations or what... Classics. We, yeah. We've done short films on this podcast before. You, you and send us a link. Like, seriously, Send us a link to a short film you've seen on YouTube that you really dig. Like, we have no problem discussing it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we've even done, like, a Funny or Die movie, The Art of the Deal. By yeah, Donald yeah. And it's, uh, I think I was speaking to uh, uh, Ryan Koo of 
over at No Film School who was talking about how he loved the fact that we spent an hour talking about a 15-minute film at one point. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we, we love doing that. And I, in particular, was really interested in seeing this film, uh, Son of Soul, um, which won the Best Foreign Film Oscar uh, last year. Um, and is a first time film, a first time Hungarian film by director Laszlo Nimitz. Uh, I hope I'm not butchering that. Mm -hmm. uh, it also won the grand prize at Cannes as well, the Grand Prix at Cannes. Uh, and the re <laughs> actually this year, if anyone follows um, International Film Festival news, this year's Cannes Film Festival has just announced in its its awards, and it has been increasingly called a disappointing year for Cannes. So this might be Son of Saul might be the last case where Cannes. Uh, played something and awarded a film that uh, felt deserving, according to the critics. Well, if they can do it, no one can. And that's the kind of humor we have here, folks, <laughs> at The Only Podcast About Movies. I tried on, really hard. <laughs> on the one hand, we're going to talk about Auschwitz and the Holocaust. On the other hand, we will make dick jokes. Well, we also started <laughs> with that beautiful Disney song, De Fuhrer's Face. Uh -huh. um, because, you know, this movie that we're going to review isn't really about the music involved in it. <laughs> so let me... Uh, uh, oh, also, you can also hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. And, uh, hit us up more on Twitter. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter. And also check out our uh, our ongoing Facebook feuds on our Facebook page. It happens, the there's only, a few. The only podcast about movies. Um, also, but, guys, if you... I forget if the settings are on, but, like, if you have a, a movie... put Like, let's try to make the Facebook page a little more community-based. Like, yeah. if you guys have a thing you want us to discuss, and I've been sort of posting things, too, about, like, hey, what do you think about this, or can we stop this, or how yeah, do we... Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> but, like, if you guys see a thing like, hey, what the hell? Like, yeah, what's yeah. going on over here? Like I, the Tetris movie. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and no, we had a little dialogue about that, which yeah, is yeah. nice. So, yeah, uh, seriously, uh, post stuff. We will answer. It's not like we, you know, had better, better things to do with our lives. Right. <laughs> but back to Son of Saul, <laughs> uh, a movie about the horrors of the uh, sit in the 1944 Auschwitz camp where a prisoner is forced to burn corpses of his own people. Uh, they're otherwise known as a Sonderkommando. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope I'm saying that right. The Sonderkommando. Uh, which which was an interesting little tidbit about the um, about the Holocaust. Yeah, I didn't realize was, that was a thing. Yeah, well, I I read about it, and I think I may have mischaracterized what I knew about it. Now, I I read about it a long time ago when I went to, I think it was the museum of uh, museum of tolerance in L.A. And this was like twenty years ago when sure. I did this. Um, but I remember back when tolerance was invented. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Sauter commandos might have at one point, and I, get, I might be mischaracterizing this, were considered kind of traitors of their race or traitors of their faith because their job essentially was to round up other Jews that had been brought into the camps, uh, strip them of their clothes, lead them into the ovens, uh, usually under um, uh, under false pretenses, you know, saying if you have, you know, if you... Uh, have a shower here, then you, we will be fed and you will be put to work in these labor camps. Um, when in fact they were being led to be exterminated. Right. And so my interpretation of these characters had been kind of like, I guess the closest equivalent we can think of in America is Uncle Tom's, you know, people who sold out their own race. So if that's one of the definitions of what an Uncle Tom is, but, you know, who, who yeah, let's not get into literary criticism. Right. This film this is, isn't the only podcast about literature. literature. <laughs> this film is interesting because it really it basically drops us immediately into one of those characters played by Giza Rohig. Uh, again, I hope I'm not butchering that name, who plays the titular Saul. 
um, a soda commander who is tasked with the job of leading other people into the into the ovens. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the title suggests, someone comes into the ovens that may or may not be his son. Um, and the film follows him as he tries to arrange a burial, uh, a traditional Jewish burial with a rabbi uh, for this for this person. Now, technically, what was re- what's really interesting about this film, um, this is a very low budget film. It only has a budget of one point five million dollars, um, but it's set in Auschwitz um, and it is told and framed entirely from basically a close up. The whole film is told in a close-up. Um, we move through the experience of this character, which, you know, look, up front before we get into the movie is really uh, a parade of horrors. Um, sure. Entirely in close-up. And the effect, it's not the first time this has I happened. I think I wrote in my notes, a Disneyland of horrors. A Disneyland of horrors. That's, that's not a bad characterization. Uh, although Walt Disney's apparent distaste for the people of the Jewish faith might, might change that phrase. But doesn't that make me more right? Uh, Disneyland. Let me think about that. If we Disneyland equals Jewish, Jewish equals Holocaust. I'm not sure the math adds up, but we'll All keep right. going. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's not the first time that a film is played entirely in close up. Obviously, um, the you know, like historically, uh, we think about Carl Theodore Dreyer's uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Even more, I always <laughs> think about that. Oh, it's it's a famous you know famous example of a film told entirely in close up. Um, I think even more recently, uh, Lodge Kerrigan, um, a filmmaker who's getting a little bit more notoriety right now because he's doing the TV show, The Girlfriend Experience, uh, his two first two films, Clean Shaven, and I'm going blank on the other t- on the other film right now, um, were told entirely in close up in similar ways, and the 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 effect is particularly is is claustroph- is frustratingly claustrophobic. But I found pretty effective. I, I saw the first half of this movie on a plane. Um, and I was like, I really need to see the rest of this. Because sure. It's, and in a weird way, seeing this on a big screen is probably not the best experience. No. Seeing this with headphones on because of the way that they use sound in this movie oh, is, is, is kind of probably one of the better ways to see this movie. Well, so <laughs> this uh, this movie, again, I went into it not knowing a thing about it. I knew it took place in Auschwitz. Uh, yeah. uh, that's it. Um, and how was the experience then not knowing much about it? Um, good. It it's, it's hard to describe this movie as good because it's such a, is this a well-made crafted with a, a very distinct message and a, a love for filmmaking a hundred percent. Uh, the, the close up and the, cause it was four by three, right? Yeah. Shot four by three shot uh, on 35 mil as well. Right. So it's actually shot on film. So this whole POV and close-up thing, like, it does. It it gives you the feeling of tightness and closeness and horror of the entire thing without actually gratuitously showing you all of these things, but you just feel like you're a part of it. Um, however, it, for me, it was a good experiment, mm-hmm. and it made me feel the way it wanted me to feel. Mm-hmm. But about halfway through the movie it really just started weighing on me in a way that like, I don't even, it's weird, but like, not that this movie is made for enjoyment. I think this movie, to be honest, other than looking at film critique about how a film is made and enjoying it on the sort of technical level, this is filmmaking as medicine. Like this is, this is, 
pointing Similar. a yeah. pointing a, a spotlight, dare I say, uh, <laughs> at at a, a historical situation, and uh, you know, just showing us things that that happened. And did you not find value in that? I found it just it it. Uh, I, I, the spotlight little dig I just took is mm-hmm. is not on on. It wasn't just off the top. It's like this movie is dealing with a incredibly important and horrifying moment in human history. One right. of the ones that at this point, despite any fucking lunatic detractors, like it's well documented that this is one of the lowest points of humanity in recorded history. Um, one of them. One of I said yeah. One of them. Yeah yeah. Um. But again, it just there's there's some sort of disconnect for me because I have a hard time figuring out if the film is affecting me or the realization that holy shit, this is a real thing affects me. Now, the the thing that I loved about this movie that that I felt spotlight needed to be injected with like a motherfucker <laughs> is this method of filmmaking that furthers that experience of 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 getting you inside this moment of atrocity. Right. It, it really works in getting you in that. But and I think it should be this way if you're doing this. It's exhausting. Right. And it's hard to watch. And it's. It was a difficult film for me to get through, not only because the subject matter was poignant and a, t- a terror, but also beyond that, I was trying to, and I hope this doesn't sort of come off as insensitive, but I was trying to figure out, like, I didn't particularly like Saul mm-hmm. enough to be in his fucking dome the yeah. entire time. Uh, again, I don't know the the cultural significance of, of the, how do you pronounce it? The Sound of Commander. Yeah, what he, his role was. Um, you can certainly you could ascertain how how I didn't know but I didn't know before this movie I'm right, saying right, I didn't right. know that existed yeah and it just he was a a deplorable person in that sort of way and I understand fear does things to people and I've uh, you know it's hard to say anything bad about someone like that unless you're in those right horrific shoes but like so then this kid comes through and doesn't quite die in the chamber and then a Nazi sort of kills yeah. him uh, spoiler alert I guess now it's this is the first sort of, ten minutes of yeah. the movie um and. Then now this is the thing I didn't get, and maybe I didn't pick up on it. I didn't think it was his son, right? Like I, I just thought it was a kid that he sort of like post mortem adopted. Not like you know, not that silly, but like I, I was like, oh, this kid represents his guilt for being a shithead and doing these awful things for the people that are fucking worse shitheads, right? Like so now he's on this weird sort of not path of redemption, but something where he's like, no, this kid needs a proper Jewish burial. And I don't think, and again, maybe I'm missing some subtext or I didn't get something. I never felt like it was really a son. And I felt like it was more to try to, in a weird way, ease his own mental state about the things he was doing. Okay. uh, To his own people. And, and in those actions throughout the film kind of causes more hardships for other people people while he's trying to spiritually put to rest a dead kid and again this also i'm the last thing i'll say and i feel like i'm rambling but like uh i'm not a spiritual person so i can't relate to this on that level i understand 
the the concept of importance and this sort of thing could be seen as sort of a redemption tale and and highly important for a religious person. Yeah. But all of a sudden you're super religious even though you're helping murder the members of your religion. Like it just it irked me and that further like I got not only sick to my stomach of the images I was seeing and the the situations that were real. Yeah. But also now I'm supposed to follow this guy and give a shit and it and it I'm maybe I'm missing like maybe I'm missing a huge piece of the movie or my own humanity, but like it didn't read enough for me to actually care about Saul's journey. I cared about the fucking awfulness that was not going to stop in this film. Right. And by that, I mean Auschwitz, the the concentration camps. Um, But again, I I, uh. it's interesting because I I'm hearing your response to it and I think all those responses are 100% correct. But the thing is, is that I think those, that conflict in response is what makes the film interesting to me. It, 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 it churns up conflicted emotions in me in multiple ways that sure. I can't, that, that are difficult and confronting. And that's sometimes, you know, like we have this discussion about fun in cinema a lot of times. Um, this is kind of something I'm looking for as well. I want films to challenge me and make me think about things differently. Now, I never thought this guy was a shithead or anything like that. I What I was confronted with was the horror of having to be um, an accomplice to the murder of human beings. I guess my <laughs> thing is you don't have to be. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my point is, and I'm not saying the alternative is good. The alternative is death in a horrific fashion. Yeah. That's and but see the that to me is what is fascinating. Okay, because because like Sonda Commanders existed. I know, and they, and they existed for a reason. And it and it and it conjures to me like the thing because it's a true story. It makes me the thing that this film really really brought home that made me that really hit me in my gut was the banality of evil. The idea that that evil is not this maniacal figure of uh, overwhelming power that stands above you and laughs, you know, mm-hmm. hard. It is it is methodical, it is simple, it is systematic. It is it is, you know, evil on the scale of Auschwitz happens through process. And the process requires human beings to lead people into a chamber uh through misdirection, strip their clothes and then close the doors and hold it while they while they're gassed to death. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you need people to do that. And where are you going to get those people? You know, you're going to offer people a chance to live, even for a short amount of time, you know, uh, in order to get people to, to do that role. Because, you, re- you know, like, the interesting thing is that the reason why peop- um, people are easily led into the, into the gas chamber is because other Jews are leading them in there. Yeah. So this movie really brought home this idea that, that, that the evil you know we we think about we think about uh the holocaust in pure binary you know we tend to think about the holocaust in pure binary terms mm-hmm. um you know like there were good guys and there were bad guys right and we 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 those those terms are very comforting but 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 there are th- entire shades of gray in between that that are really fascinating uh, and i think like uh Saul's character is an entire shade of gray that is entirely that is completely fascinating to me, and I think it's the kind of area that I would want a cinematic experience to lead me into. I don't disagree, but I think framing an entire 
I think, to be honest, my problem with this movie is its length. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think this would have made a far more impactful and enjoyable for me short film. Right. Um, it never gave me more. It never gave me different feelings. It just gave me the same awful feeling of confrontation, of confronting an awful thing for an hour and 47 minutes you, or whatever. But you ran. disliked the character. Yeah. I uh. See, the, the, I guess the thing that was interesting for me is that I, because, yeah, I mean, one of the things I noted was that the, the pursuit of a religious, um, of a religious salvation for this character, which is what this, you know, like, yeah. and, and I think the point that you bring up is a point that the film really plays upon as well, which is that is this, is this child Saul's son? And they, they question it throughout the movie. And there's a point at which where one character says, you don't have a son. And then he says, no, it was my son from another marriage. And then, the, and then, it, and then another character comes back. This is not your son. And, and they, they, you know, like the whole time, because we're stuck in this perspective. Is this why, sorry, is this why you brought up Beast of No Nation before? Because there was that whole thing, like, is it his mom or not? You, sorry, yeah. before she here and I were talking, he's like, oh, I think we we're going to get back to Beast of No Nation territory. No, I think the reason I mentioned Beast of No Nation, because I think we were going to get into the conversation of cinema as, you know, like oh, historical okay. fiction. So I already did it. Okay. We already did that. Um, you know, I think the, the, the ambiguity that the film places on, is this his son? Is this not his son? Is purposeful. And it's done for a specific, it's done for a reason, which is that, is it important that this is his son? Because he's, you know, like... No, because it's about him because he's selfish. I don't think he's being selfish. I, I think he, like, I mean, let's let's really try and get into his point of view here. If you are confronted with the horror of an entire... And the, the systematic extermination of a people because of their religion. Right. That is a... That, that is... That is like confronting the devil himself. And and to to me, when you confront the, you know, it's that line from, uh, it's the line from The Usual Suspects, which is that, um, I think it's in The Usual Suspect, which is that when he wanted to shoot at the, you know, like, what if you miss? Like, it's the idea that, you know, uh, I think Kevin Spacey is describing confronting Kaiser Soze at okay. some point, and he says, why didn't you shoot him? He says, what if I missed? You know, like, it's the, it's the kind of death grip fear of of being confronted with the fact that humanity as you know it is not what you think it is. We like to believe, you and I, that human beings are ostensibly good, right? Like, we like to believe that that is true. I don't believe that's true. You don't believe that is true. You don't, don't believe in your daily existence. If you fell over on the street, someone would help you. Uh, I think in a city like New York City, yes, because there's yep. a ton of people. Right. I, I don't think, it, it has been my experience. Right. That uh, I, I think people, and this is myself included. I right. am not putting judgment on this. I right. think people are selfish, and I think I think have people, many tendencies do, do you, that are that are selfish. Do you think that people are selfish to the point that they would come try that that they would organize to come and murder you because of who you are at this point? I think history's proven that that happens. That happens, and it's true. And I'm and I'm saying, confronted with that reality, your perspective on your daily existence might change. And I think, and I think, no, of course, of and, course. And, I, and again, it's, it, that goes back to the medicine analogy. Like that's kind of what, why this movie works right? Uh, in, in the ways that it works. My thing is it's the, what I'm calling Saul selfish. It's like he's doing these awful things to his own people. Right. And the, the, the alternative is also death. 
And it's it's it feels super shitty for me to and this is a fictitious character in a real situation. You know what I mean? Like so I, I I'm trying to be a sort of <laughs> it's hard to to figure out the sort of way around around speaking about it because I can't speak to what I would do. Right. But but realist me and and as much as I think I know myself and it's I can't I can't say for hundred percent sure, but it's like I I just don't if if I had and I have to go back to like if I had a strong religious affiliation. Yeah. And I was being my people were being exterminated, you know, whatever. Like I, I think I would die before I exterminated more people, especially seeing the type of situation that he was in. And again, this but, is me. Yeah, I can't I can't fathom this. This is just my gut reaction and I'm right, saying right. it and and I could be a hundred percent a hypocrite and whatever. But in the con in the context of the story that's presented to me. Right. For whatever reason, yeah, I don't care if this guy finds redemption in this giant sea of nightmare. Right. Like I don't. I care about the people that aren't perpetuating this further. And the the act the, the I mean, this guy is obviously a victim, but the victim's victim. Like right. I, I just that to me is the horror and the thing that needs to be sort of looked at. Not, Oh God, this guy feels guilty for doing awful things to stay alive. And now he's doing an arbitrary gesture. He feels will make something right in the eyes of his God. Right. But do you, do you think we've seen that film before where someone tries to redeem or save other people? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> but not, not like in a, not like, I mean, sure. In the, in the Holocaust, in the in the oh, Holocaust, in Holocaust genre. Yeah, that's awful the, that it's a genre. No, it is a genre. Uh, it's very, there's there's. Numb. I'm trying to think. I believe so, but not not in the way that makes you feel this awful, right? But See, I get that, and that's not a slight to the movie. Mm. It's just this movie is it's a masterclass in making you feel awful for history, right. and and. That is what they were going for, and they fucking knocked it out of the park. What I'm saying is I think from a perspective of of the style of which they chose to deliver this message, and very effectively so, it also could have done had the same impact and have me have a little less vitriol against that certain thing if it was shorter. But you're also but I, I mean, there's just something about what you've said which um it feels like the movie wouldn't work from the get-go for you because you're not interested in this character. But it, the, but the message that the movie is trying to convey, just because yeah. I don't like the character doesn't mean I don't think the message is sort of, it, the message is, it's medicine. Right. I think I could have gotten a much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, the concentrated version of it. Right. Because the, this is why, and this is why, sorry, I'm, I'm sort of rebuilding the argument in my head. The more I had Saul going through the thing, the less I liked him. Right. Because at the end of the day, he's doing all of this shit, not to help people that are still alive, but to help the idea of a corpse or a soul that is, is something. Uh, it's, and it's the quote that I mentioned at the beginning, you failed the living for the, for the dead. Yeah. Um, but, but to me, that is a unique perspective and a unique character. And, uh, and again, the thing, the thing that I, I kind of gravitate towards there is that, the horror of the world that Saul exists in sure. psychologically mm -hmm. is such is to such an extent that I find his journey to redeem what may be his son, what may actually be his son, so com completely plausible and completely compelling. Right, but here's the thing: if maybe maybe that one little thing could have flipped my switch, because if it was his fucking kid, yeah. 
that is different for me in a but, weird but I way. Think, I think the film plays plays the angle that you're kind of having a problem with by by asking that question throughout. What if it's not his son? What is he doing if it's not his son? What is it? You know, like. And I don't know. How does that change? And again, it, again, I think, again, I, my, the crux of my problem goes back to me not being religious. And that's not to say that I think religious people are wrong. It's, it's I cannot understand. Right. No, and this is an interesting point as well, because I, I too, am not a religious person. Right. Uh, you, you know, you know that about me. And, and, I, and I find, and I, I don't think the film ever sells you religion as salvation in this film. Like, it doesn't ever sell you No, but the that's idea. what he's doing. That's what the character is yes. doing, but I don't think the film is ever no, trying no, no. to sell again, you. No, no, no. Again, again, yes. And that's the separation yeah. between the char- the movie's yeah. message and the character doing the shit. And, uh, so let me, let me tell you a story. Once upon a time. <laughs> Once upon a time. No, I visited India uh, two, maybe three years ago, and I took a series of photographs about this, um, but I was in a, in a field uh, a farm, and there was an, uh, a, a younger woman and an older woman who were looking, the, their job was to look after the farm, right? Okay. Um, you know, generally a poor farm, poor people. Um, and it was, uh, it was lunchtime and the, and the woman had, uh, had a son, had her son with her. So the, 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 the way the relationship worked, it was the older woman was the grandmother, the main woman was the mother, and there was a child, um, you know, maybe an, uh, four-year-old child or something okay. like that. And um, I, I took a series of photographs of the child uh, inside his hammock. He was taking a nap there during lunchtime. And the, the, the grandmother told me this because the mother didn't want to tell me this story. But the grandmother told me that when the child was a baby, um, the, the mother got very worried for a child. So she prayed to God every day. She prayed to God for days and days and, you know, weeks and weeks for her, for her child to get better. And she made a pact with God that, that if her son got better, she would never wear shoes again. And I looked down and lo and behold, she's, she has not worn shoes to this day. And, and while, at the, while I don't understand that kind of religious fervor, and I don't think the rationalization is correct, and I don't think the, the um, you know, her reasoning is correct or whatever, and, you know, I could certainly point to intellectualizing why I don't think it's correct. It's true for her. And it, and it struck me as touching the length that she would go to to make, to try and help her son, including basically never wearing shoes again. And I found that really touching, beautiful, and affecting. And it made me, what it made me think about is, of course, there's an extent to this where this doesn't work, where people like deny their children, you know, life-saving drugs because they because they, um, you know, right. don't believe in, you know, don't believe in medicine, what have you. But this in particular, you know, again, without sounding condescending or, 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 um, um, I don't know what the other word for it is, but just being generally being a douchebag, um, <laughs> you know, this is a kind of r- religion offers a salvation for people who have no other salvation or, or who choose it or who are brought up in that environment. Right. And if you think about, the fervor in which the Jewish people were rounded up and taken away because of their faith. Now there are other, there are other motivating political factors that lead to the, the planned extermination of Jews. But, but Saul coming back to the film, Saul's reason to try and find religious salvation while not understandable to me was understandable for him. And may I understood it for him in this film. And, and particularly given the task he has been assigned 
in exchange for his life. The task he has been assigned is lead people into this chamber. And he does so. Yep. And then he, and for him, an opportunity arises to find some salvation, which is in the religious framework works for him. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that's really interesting, um, purely on a technical level is that we're into spoiler territory now. At I the think end, so. At the end of the film, there is a beautiful moment where Saul and uh, some other Sanda commanders, commanders have rushed away into a, um, uh, and they found a little barn which they're hiding out in. And there's just a lot of things going on. People are tired, and you know we've we're exhausted through this film. And this child appears, and and. And the, the, the sight of this child in amongst the horror that we have previously witnessed is kind of breathtaking. To me, I felt kind of, oh my God, you know, it's just this, this, this moment of beauty within this horror. Okay. And, and, you, and the film cuts to Saul's face and he has a smile on his face. And then the film continues and the child rushes away and we see the oncoming German troops and we hear the gunfire and we know that Saul has been killed and the child run and the, the last frame of the film, the child runs away into the distance. Sure. And it is a metaphorical moment of redemption for Saul. And I, th- I think on a, on a purely poetic level, it entirely worked for me. I mean, it's just, uh, I, yes, I, I'm not, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that moment like that, but uh, I don't like how moments of redemption are kind of silly. And the reason I say that is uh, a a lifetime of douchery Mm -hmm. is not erased by one grand gesture. Now, the, the... In a Marvel movie, when Iron Man flies into the sky... To save the human race. He's not even... (laughs) Yeah, he does one great thing, and he's still super flawed. Like... and I, let it be let it be said, listeners, that, <laughs> that Shakir brought up the MCU in I, the I Son just, of Saul. I just in the to Son br- of Saul review. I just wanted he to bring brought up something the Marvel up. movies, I not wanted, me. I wanted to bring up something that I thought you could relate. to. I was being good. <laughs> um, no, back on track. I I it just more hardship came from his quest. Yeah. To, and to, I think the film addresses that. And, and it does, but it doesn't. Again, I, I, I think this is why I, my whole problem lies in, in a tie-in with uh, tone, length, and character. Right. The tone in the world they set does exactly what the film is supposed to do. And, and again, I'll even say straight up, like, if you want to feel the type of stuff that we're feeling and, 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 and experience a film that will affect you in a, a way that is in, insanely different from any other film... Yeah, you should see this. But I'm saying for me, because of all the problems I have with the character and the redemption arc and the fact that this is a real thing and the tone and the close up and the just sort of making you feel awful for humanity for the entirety of the of the movie until sort of that moment at the end, which you could kind of take it that the way you took it. And and it can sort of be that like a sort of redemption sort of moment. But like. I think it's a complicit redemption. Yeah, yeah, it's a complex redemption moment. Uh, It just the movie beat me down so much. I think this goes back to length. I was just like, the horrors are just shoved down your fucking eye hole so bad 
and you're in the thick of it because of this close-up situation that's going on that like by the end I'm like well fuck like I just I didn't I didn't if it was shorter and it didn't do it for as long I wouldn't have been beaten down as much it's like it's literally like punching you in the face fucking 200 times and then giving you an ice cube like you do you know what I mean like it's but in the sense of if I got punched in the mouth once, an ice cube might have sort of the, the evenness of the entire thing would have done. Now, again, I don't think that's what they're going for. I think they want this movie to punch you in the emotional face 200 times. Right. Uh, but if you're going to ask me, you know. Should uh, you see this movie? Should you see this movie? Yeah, but you're not going to like it <laughs> beyond <laughs> beyond the technical aspect and sort of the ex- exploration of 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 the horrors of humanity. And, and if you, if you are a religious person, maybe that's the trick. If you are a religious person, maybe this entirely makes sense to you and you can enjoy this on a level that I can't. I, uh, I don't, I don't think religion has to do deal with your enjoyment. Well, it has it. to do with sort of a faith thing. And I don't, I don't I'm not even talking about uh, Judaism or anything like that. But like, for instance, the story you mentioned of the, of the, of the mother and the, mm-hmm. the shoes and the kid. Mm-hmm. Like that's in my brain, like that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But again, based on me, yeah, it's it doesn't make any sense. And to be honest, and I don't know. Again, I'm like, please, I'm not judging this mother. It's fucking awful. And and you know, when a humans in dire things, who knows who the fuck I'd start praying to? Do you know what I mean? But yeah. like the from the outsider's perspective. And I'm sure she did everything she possibly could to help her kid other than pray every day. Yeah. But like praying every day did not no, it save didn't. her kid. Of course, because that's our perspective. Sure. But she, mm. no, no, no. Fuck. Well, let's go. Let's mm. go deep into this shit. Do I think that it's possible that the human mind and spirit or whatever you want to call it has abilities to manifest itself in positive or negative ways based on the fact, uh, based on how hard you believe something? I kind of do. Right. But I, I don't. But again, that's just, again, yeah, but whatever. I don't, I don't think that has to do with the story. No. What I'm saying, I'm just trying to finish the story. But, yeah. but like the mother in the sense, but my, what I take away from that is mother believed it so hard that whether or not that belief helped. Yeah. It helped her think she was, she. But, no, no. And again, that's not. That's maybe not I'm the, getting it wrong. No, that's not the point. That to me wasn't the point of the story. What It doesn't matter whether God came down and saved the baby or whether she got some medicine that saved the baby. Okay. What's important is that she made a pact in her brain to save that baby. But she did it. This is, and this is, no, no. And, and she's followed through with it because she truly 100% believes in it. And that, now, that, that's that, great. Yeah. But, but you have to understand too. And again, it goes back to sort of the way I saw Saul was kind of selfish. And again, this goes back to, and I might be too in depth in my own head and just whatever, but like there's, and I've said this on the podcast before, there's no such thing as altruism, right? You do nice things or good things or whatever, because you get a squirt of chemical in your brain and it rewards you internally from that. She's not doing like Saul. Let's just keep it to the movie. Saul isn't doing these things. Like he's looking for a redemption or whatnot, but like, and again, outside of religious context, He's doing it, whatever he's doing, he's doing for him. Yeah, of course. And it's hurting other people in the process. 
course, but if but people are dying left, right, and center for no reason. Of course, but you're, but you're, he's you're, putting a corpse. It's your line. It's the line from the movie, and I'm glad mm-hmm. the movie addresses it. I I related to those characters more than I did Saul, and maybe that's again the point too. Like, I just. And that's why again I don't I'm not going to keep shit on I'm repeating myself it's just you you take all the things I mentioned length tone style and character and as a full movie it it didn't it didn't check all my boxes in fact it checked one box really hard and broke through like five pieces of paper to do it uh and yeah but that's not to say that I think you should not see it I think it's it's weirdly important to see it Right. And well, this would lead us into another conversation, which I think would be a valid reason to not dismiss the movie, but to talk about the, I think, you know, like there is um, a sense of Holocaust fatigue. I think that you could, you could certainly, you could certainly make the case for in cinema of Holocaust fatigue. Straight up when I, when, uh, when it first came out and it was like, oh, what's this about? Oh, it's a Holocaust movie. I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and that's an interesting, I, I think it's important to, to dissect that as a, as a question. Um, and you know, like I, I, for one, am always kind of considering the fact that there are many movies made about the, about one particular Holocaust. There's been a fucking bunch of them. And then many movies not made about other horrors that exist today, Yeah, which is why Beasts of No Nation, as much as the film I felt didn't quite land for me mm-hmm. felt important but then that was counteracted by the fact that it was a fictional country with no particular designation right. so i think that's an interesting conversation to have because uh, for example there is a, a a person who's been on this podcast i'm not going to name names um who has said flat out there is one particular kind of historical drama uh, historical film that they will not watch they just will not watch those kinds of sure. films because they don't want to see um that particular horror played out in cinema again because they because it has a you know right just, but then my dad did see Big Trouble in Little China so <laughs> we got over it. no I'm yeah, making, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I understand what you're saying yeah and I I you know like I've questioned I think about that question a lot because I want to you know like as I wonder about where the line is for me personally now like for example there's a film that came out many years ago called a serbian film which i there was a time in my life where i was looking for films that pushed the boundaries of what cinema could do the films that challenged me so i i think irreversible for example is an extraordinary film difficult i wouldn't recommend anyone watch it but i think what it does is incredibly challenging and difficult i read the synopsis for a serbian film which is about an aging porn star who who agrees to participate in an art film and ends up doing the most horrific things on camera. When I started reading a little bit more about it, there was a point in my life where I just, kind of, I think I reached a point where I was like, you know what? I don't need to see this. I don't need to, I don't want to actually see what this sure. is. And so I'm kind of always questioning, but then I, everyone has different lines. You know, like, I don't need to see this. I don't want to see a film about the Holocaust. I don't want to see a film about 9-11. I don't want to see a film about World War II. You know, everyone has just completely different lines. But should should we as filmgoers push those lines? Like a film like, you know, and, and certainly bad films will, like, I, I don't think a Serbian film is meant to be a very good film. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it pushes it in a very good way. But I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. So, you know, like, should we be willing to challenge ourselves with films on topics that we have a distaste for? 
And I think I think what I'm hearing from you is that you generally have not a distaste for this particular subject, but you may have a lack of interest in this particular topic being rehashed. Right, but I yeah sure, but yeah. I will say that in the rehash in in the levels of rehashnitude, yeah, uh, this movie does the the story. It tells a much different story in a way that has not been told told or seen before in mainstream media. In my opinion, I mean we've all we've seen documentaries, we've mm-hmm. seen uh, you know narrative films, we've seen that sort of stuff, but never something that gets you so much in the horror as this movie does and tells a story of a particularly conflicting uh character in the in the holocaust like sure you know like this is a very difficult character to understand but um i also i just think um you know and it's it sounds like that it because it was of a character you didn't particularly like or understand his motivations it didn't land for you. Yeah, it's that. But like, I do. I honestly feel because it was it was death by inches for me. It was like the character chipped away, chipped away, chipped. Because characters can be irrational. They're supposed to be like if everyone was super rational, nothing interesting would happen. Right. So like the but like I think the length of it. And again, it's not a long. I keep saying, oh my god, like it's fucking four hours. No, it's I think it's an hour forty seven or something like that. You would you would be interested to know that this uh, this director actually uh, worked under Bela Tah, who's a famous Hungarian filmmaker. One of the most famous, famous things he's made known for is making a film that was seven and a half hours long. Yeah, that's not really something I'd I'd strive for. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm going to make you go see it. Oh, great! <laughs> um, but but I do. I think I think it was sort of the chipping away and sort of seeing it again and again and again and again and again, like just sort of like just moments of this character where I feel like if it was shorter, uh, I would have not had the buildup. There was this residual of just sort of like, I was beaten down by the end. Right. The, the thing that's interesting about that- beaten down, sorry, beaten down by a, by a world that they had created that my only pinhole in this particular time to look at the world was through a character that I didn't particularly like and could not relate with on any personal level. And that's on me. Like I understand that. Yeah. But no, and I don't, I don't want to take away from the possibility that this, you know, like we should critique the film not on its not on its rendition of a world, but on whether it's actually a powerful, evocative film. It's super powerful. But but I so I don't want to take away from that. If you had that experience, that that is not a truthful experience for you. I don't. I certainly don't want to ever suggest that that you had the wrong experience. You know, like a, does, wait, wait, since when? Since when you really <laughs> want to suggest that? Well, with other films, oh, okay, yeah, but not with this one. Um, but I I do want to like the thing that. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a it's a negative way that I look at the film, but like the thing that keeps me watching the movie and the thing that keeps me intrigued in this particular character is the notion that this is a true character. This is a thing that happened. And 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 I'm constantly asking the question of myself, what would I do in that scenario? Mm-hmm. And I I don't you know, like we are talking about a horror on a scale that is difficult to fathom, you know, like it is, it is, you know, in that same India trip, for example, and this is going to sound very much like, um, first world problems, but you know, in that same trip to India, I, you know, one of the things that happens when you go to India or, you know, many countries is you're confronted with a level of poverty that just doesn't exist in first world countries. Mm -hmm. It's a level of poverty that seems criminal. Um, especially when you see so much opulence uh, elsewhere, yeah. No, adjacent, immediately yeah, next door, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, the thing that I'm always, I'm, I'm forced to kind of 
think about is my perspective is one of purely an outsider. Mm -hmm. I don't know this world, this universe, how it works. And there are, and you know, one of the films that really challenged me to think about that is a Las Von Trier film. Um, not, um, uh, Dogville, but the sequel to that, uh, the sequel to Dogville. Dogville 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Dogville 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, a wonderful film. It stars Ron Howard's daughter, and I'm going to find the title as we're talking. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a film that basically looked at slavery from the point of view that there were, not that there were benefits to slavery, but that there was a perspective that was that is completely foreign to anyone looking at slavery as a purely negative thing. And that film was Mandalay. Okay. Um, where, where, and it was the idea that slavery, for example, post slavery, the post slavery emancipation was actually worse for slaves than, than slavery itself. Because in slavery, you could be, you, there was an economic reason to keep a slave alive, but in, in post slavery emancipation, there wasn't necessarily. Oh, the, wow. So, and that's what that film was kind of like Ooh. getting into. And that's like, and that's a really difficult, interesting concept. And so the thing about Son of Saul that was interesting in, uh, to me is this idea of this character whose job it is to murder, not to murder, but to be complicit in the deaths of his own people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, you know, like we think of, uh, we think of the Holocaust as this thing that happened to a bunch of people, to, to you know, 6 million people or something along those lines. Yes. But we have to, what we don't often consider is the role in which everyday ordinary people were brought into that. We, you know, like, it's kind of like the trials of Nuremberg, you know, people who are just following orders. Um, you know, and, and I think what's powerful about the experience of this movie, even if I don't at times, like, I don't understand his religious conviction. I don't understand. I find his, his quest for religious salvation misguided. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I... I have to acknowledge my presence as an outsider to this world. And is that, is it still a valid reason? Now, I don't feel that the film presents any contradictory narrative plots, uh, point, points. I don't feel like anything this character does is narratively contradictory to the world, within the world it's set up. I believe everything he does. I believe that this is the, re the, the way this might operate. Sure. And, and for that reason, because I believe, because it is narratively convincing within the world it's set up, I still, I, I buy into it and I'm confronted by something I don't understand. And I think that's a powerful experience. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, again, and I, nothing you said is something that I disagree with. It's yeah. just, again, I'm a character guy. Yeah. And when I'm watching a film, that's a narrative film, even documentaries to a point, like yeah. uh, the character is king for me. Right. And you, especially in this movie where you're just, you are in his dome, you are in his mm -hmm. face and front, back, whatever. Very rarely does it cut to a shot that he is not in a close up of. Right. Um, and when you're confronted with a character that while ent entirely believable in the world that they have put together, but that I cannot relate to on any level, nor would I particularly maybe beyond like, I, I will say I'm kind of jealous of religious people. I right. think that having that amount of faith in something is is beautiful, and I think it's it's an interesting thing that I I, I don't believe I'm just wired for. Yeah. But um, other than that angle of him, I have no interest whatsoever. The the stuff that's in the blurry background and the horrors that we're hearing, and the other characters we tertiarily sort of run into from time to time, they these people that are not 
causing hardships for others based on either self-preservation or uh, the the preservation of these these quote unquote soul of a dead boy. Yeah, those characters mean more to me and than this guy ever would. But yet I'm in there. The movie is forcing me to be with this guy right. now. Uh, I, and it's it, I think it does it for a reason. Like, and I don't want to ever come off that I think this movie was not beautifully crafted with uh love and skill that i don't think i'll ever have i just think uh the message the the style in the way it delivered its message is not something that i can 100 percent get on board with but i can absolutely see the entirety of its merits and and and, and, and through talking about this if this kind of thing sounds like something that you feel would affect you on an emotional level and you would want to experience. I would of course say to go and see this movie, rent it, do whatever, go see it on a plane like Shahir did. Uh, but like, but I, I just can't, I cannot get on board with this personally. You know, what was interesting is the, the last film I had the exact same experience with a film that was much lauded many years ago, uh, which was the King's speech. Did you see that film? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I I had a real problem getting on board with that film because to me the problem of that film was that it 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 basically celebrated the beginning of World War II through the triumph of one aristocrat's ability to overcome his speech <laughs> impediment. And like there was a moment at the end of that film where you basically saw the rallying cries of the the good people of London listening to this to to the right. to the speech, and and all I could think about was you guys are just about to be talked into going to going into war, and you are the ones that are going to go have to go to war. The king is not going to go. In, you know this character is not going to go into war. This character is not going to suffer. He's going to live in his in his beautiful home for, right. the rest of, for the rest of his existence. And that was the similar. You know that's the experience I had of that film where I. Found makes sense to me. Where I found the the narrative viewpoint to be restrictive, and I and I find that you know the other film I find that really strange in is I have this I have this ongoing thing about Pretty Woman. Remember that movie, Pretty Woman? Yeah, I mean, of course, no, that it, makes sense to me. No, well, there's also a thing where like uh, one of the things about Richard Gere's character in that movie is that he doesn't build anything. You know, he's just a guy who buys companies and sells it. But by the end of the movie, he's redeemed because he buys a company that is now going to build something. And that something happens to be warships for the military. And so I kind of go, well, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm 100% on board with this. Huh. Back to Son of Soul. Becomes uh, a warmonger. Yeah, he becomes, nice. yeah, it's kind of like his redemption is this ostensibly. He, he, he rescues one prostitute and then and kills a bunch of people inadvertently. Yeah, becomes a warmonger. I don't think Saul is in the same category of complicit violence as those two characters that I just mentioned. I think Saul is in a, in, Saul to me is, has the, 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 the difficulty of his scenario is it's, it's that, you know, like stuck between a rock and a hard place kind of scenario to me. It's like, and I think other characters play into that really. There's a beautiful, there's an interesting thing that happens with another character, um, which is the rabbi that he eventually finds. And, the question mark that becomes that comes around the rabbi is is he actually a rabbi? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and there's a moment where I'm going, if he is a rabbi, did he just like use his rabbi 
status to 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 get out of the uh, to get out of being slaughtered, you know, uh, over other people. But then on the uh, which I think is like, oh my god, I can't believe he did that. But on the other hand, I'm like, wouldn't I just do? You know, like like who amongst us could say that we wouldn't do the same thing? Who amongst us can actually say that if you were a Jewish person in Auschwitz and you were told you can either walk into the gas chamber now or we will spare your life as long as you work for us, you know, who can confronting that kind of horrific, and I'm talking again, systematic extermination. There are people, there are processes. This has to happen on a global systematic level. Right. Could you really truly say that you would be hero of the day and say, no, I'm going to walk to my, to my death. Are you asking me? Yeah. Uh, I would like to believe that I would. Right. I mean, but again, I can't, who the fuck am I to say? But, that, I, but that's my point about this film is I, that, that's what I find confronting about it and interesting. But I, I do, I do think this. Yeah. I do think that if I did, if I became a bruff, a brunk stick, what was it called? The uh, sound commander. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, for whatever reason, my values wave wavered and my, my, you know, I, I did fall into that sort of, uh, trap. Um, I would, I would not f- fall into the the category that Saul does in the sense of oh now all of a sudden the the treatment of this corpse is is the thing that's the most important to me. I I just don't. Isn't that isn't that kind of the same same proposition that a film like Saving Private Ryan asks us to do? Saving Private Ryan. I mean, sure, but again, and again, I'm not a I, Saving Private Ryan's fine. I'm not a I'm not a big proprietor of Saving Private. Ryan. I think yeah. it's good, but, no, I al- but isn't that the same? But I've also had that I've had that problem with that movie. Yeah. Like it's like so much bad shit happens because of this one. You're and that's putting what, and that's what the film is. That that film actually asked that question. Yeah, you know, like you know, like is we're being tasked to save this one person? Yeah, you know, and I think and I think you know, like. Saul trying to find redemption for this child that may or He's trying may- to find redemption <laughs> for himself. That's the thing. And, That's I mean, the look, thing. Who's to say you would in in the face of the horrors that that person is just witnessing, you would not do the same thing. No one is to say that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that I would expect other people to like me. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I and I'm not saying that Saul's expecting other people to like well, him. Yeah, I don't, but th- that, I don't but, think the film's asking you to like him. Fil- I don't think it's asking you to like. And I, I can't and I, tell. And, I, and I think that's a paradigm of Western cinema that is, you know, that's, that's fair. You know, that's a paradigm of Western cinema, which is that the hero, you know, like that's fair. Yeah. But again, it, it's the combination here. It's not the fact whether or not I can say, cause no one can say any of the answers to these questions without yeah. being in this fucking awful situation. It's just the combination of a lot of things that work in conjunction with what I think basically things that, that got to me over an extended period of time, the, it, it, the movie had so much power, like too much power, like putting way too strong of a fucking race car engine inside of a Toyota Corolla and it rips the fucking front wheels off. Like, that's a strange analogy. But, you, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's, that's why it doesn't work for me. There are things going on that are so powerful, so strong, so skilled and crafted. And then there's other aspects that due to my interpersonal relation or my sort of internal relationship with myself, I guess, just does not work at all. Right. And, and... Th- and and again, I feel like we're sort of just going back and forth on our own sort of ideologies, which this movie is going to make you question, which I think overall is good. But 
I, I just think we should just sort of get back to the movie. We've been waxing ecstatic, ecstatic no, no, on this I, for an hour. But that's what I, well, that is what I love about it. And I don't want to ever question your, the veracity of your experience to this film. Right. And I just think this. I think if you're looking for a film to give you a visceral, emotional response, like if that's what you're looking for, no matter what that is, this is going to do it. And it does it in a stylistic way that while beautiful and and nuanced and sort of new feeling also, just know going in that all of those great adjectives that I just said about it, but the feeling it wants you to feel is horror. <laughs> and not like ghost, you know, scary, oh, it's fun to be scared horror, like, fuck, look into the deep mawing pit of fucking humanity's, one of humanity's darkest hours, and see how you do. And that's important, <laughs> but not enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah, and I I guess the question there is like does that even need to be stated? Like this is a movie about it's a movie about Auschwitz and it's But think about all the other movies about the Holocaust. Right. They don't have the emotional punch that this movie does. And there's a reason it's because how the film is presented to you, how it's made. Look, there are there are different ways to certainly approach this topic and like for example a film like Life is Beautiful approaches it in a completely different way, you know, through comedy. Um, and there's even the uh, famous story of the the day the clown cried, the uh, the Jerry Lewis comedy about the about Auschwitz. Um, you know, so there are a, a million ways to attack this subject. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it needs to be stated that this film is, you know, even I don't think it needs to be stated that those films are going to deal with the horror of Auschwitz. But do you and, think do you think those films actually dealt with it on the level that this movie did? Life is Beautiful gets pretty fucking dark. By darker, the end darker than this one. I mean, life is beautiful goes through the through the Holocaust. I know, but the, the way I'm not talking about going through the Holocaust. I'm talking about the way you experience this one particular aspect of the Holocaust. I can't say it did. I think this one makes you puts you in it more. And that's that's a compliment yeah. and a detriment, depending on what you're doing with it. I'm, and that's all. So I do. I do think it's necessary because especially in the in the way that we sort of phrased it, how we, we sort of feel a, a, a tiredness about Holocaust films. Well, there's a reason for that, because there's a ton of them. And yes, many of them are powerful. But and, and I think they're also a bit more tempered yeah. with the, the style of whatever film I think, they're doing. I think I think what you're saying is there's more highs and lows in 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 other films. And this is this is a certainly a film that that stays in a fairly difficult low for most of the time. Now, the reason I respond to that is because I kind of go, well, I think that's what the Holocaust would be like. Right. You know and what I'm, I mean? And I'm saying that beyond, like, I think it's always good to, to talk and sort of mm -hmm. if, if no one talks about the shit, then nothing, you know, it's, yeah. just, it's good. I just think beyond that moment of it, like, I think I could have gotten the same thing without the sort of, like, vitriol that I'm kind of going back at it if the film was shorter. I, I just, I, that's just... No, just, and just I, again, I don't want to, I don't want to take away your experience of the movie right. at, in any way, shape, or form. And form. you can't! <laughs> Shakir, we've been yammering for an hour. I think we've, I mean, I said you should see it. You think we should, people should see it? I, th I think you should, I definitely think it should. I actually, I agree with you that it is a difficult film to recommend to people, and it's a difficult film to suggest for people to watch. But it is an incredibly powerful statement about the, A, to me, the thing that I, you know, picked up the most is the banality of evil, mm -hmm. the, the, the way in which evil doesn't come at you from uh, a single giant strike, but through a series of small bureaucratic decisions. Sure. 
Um, and I think that's powerful. That that is powerful and palpable to me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't. I I I the what I want to explore, want to see explored in the art of cinema, is a reflection of the reality of life. And I think this touches into a reality of life we don't see much. Well, there you go. Uh, Shahir, when we're not being really fucking depressing, where can people find you? You can find me having fun at... That's not true. No, you don't lie to these people after the conversation we've had. www.shahirdowd.com, S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. You can find my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff there. If you want to get in touch with us, if you've seen... Please! Rent Son of Saul. It's easily accessible at this point. It's a year old. It won the best foreign film. You have access to it. Um, rent it on iTunes. See it on... I D- rented it on Amazon. Amazon. First time I'd ever done that. Buy the Blu-ray. Buy, buy the DVD. Buy the Blu-ray. Buy the Blu-ray. Um, but write into us with your opinion, which is uh, write into us at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. Leave us a review if you think we're douchebags on iTunes. Uh, one star or five will take you, them all. You could also, I mean, if you don't think we're douchebags, you could write a review. I mean, you, do do, you can do can both. Can they do that? I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. Uh, I have been reviewing movies wrong this whole time. Yeah. Uh, And you can find me at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com. That's my name. Uh, Also, the Skeletor that I'm for, P-R-E-Z, on Instagram and Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. And this has been the only podcast about Son of Saul. Um, Is there there a song we could go out in that doesn't, that pays respect to the, the, the weight of this subject, while at the same time, Keeping in tune with the fact that we are two idiots talking about movies. I think I got it. <laughs> <laughs>